We are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who are you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Brady Bros. Hello, this is Eric Braden. You're listening to TV Confidential. (laughs) Ed Robertson welcoming you back. TV Confidential radio talk show about television. This past Thursday, June 3rd, marked the 10th anniversary of the death of James Arness. James Arness, the actor known around the world as Marshall Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, the longest-running Western in primetime TV history, airing on CBS from 1955 through 1975. With that in mind, we thought we would replay a conversation that originally aired in June 2011 with our friend, Doug Brody. Doug's books on film, television, and pop culture include Shooting Stars of the Small Screen, Shooting Stars of the Small Screen, a comprehensive encyclopedia of more than 450 actors who either starred in or guest starred in a TV Western series, miniseries, or made-for-TV movie over the past six decades, and the 100 Greatest Westerns of All Time. You can order Shooting Stars of the Small Screen by going to tvshootingstars.com, tvshootingstars.com. Or you can order the 100 Greatest Westerns of All Time by going to horsebooksetc.com, horsebooksetc.com. Doug, you mentioned that Gunsmoke was originally a 30-minute show, and then after its sixth season, it expanded to 60 minutes. Uh, What was the reason for the change in format? Money. There was no other reason. Uh, Basically, what was happening, I mean, almost all half-hour dramatic shows became hour-long dramatic shows at that time. And very often it was to the detriment of the shows. Uh, simply put, and I can give you, I can give you a really strong example uh, or a very weak example of that. I can get specific, but um, just to show you what I mean, uh, when Gunsmoke was a half an hour show, that actually meant originally it was about 26 minutes plus four minutes of commercials. Now that that's 1955. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the years went on, it went down to. Um, 24 minutes, 23, I think finally 22, uh, because you could fit in more ads. But uh, basically, when they were shooting the 26-minute episodes of Gunsmoke, what they found is they actually shot about 42 minutes, and then they had to hurry running around uh, to edit the 42, 43, sometimes 45, down to the 20, um, 26 minutes or whatever it was, 25. And uh, what that produced, what was good for the viewers, was an extremely economic show storytelling style in which you had an incredible amount of story uh, edited down economically into 26 minutes, uh, and then later even 22. Uh, but they, what they all, and then when it was over, you put on another half an hour show, and however much it cost to make Gunsmoke, it would cost about the same to do another half an hour, which you would then sell commercials for and make money. 
somebody's a light bulb went off in somebody's mind in the late 50s and they said duh wait a minute if instead of doing that instead of cutting 45 46 minutes down to 26 minutes if we shot another four minutes five minutes uh which would you know cost uh, maybe you know another five to ten percent of the budget we would have an hour show and we could show sell commercials for the full hour and make as much money as we're making by showing Gunsmoke and then another half an hour show. Um, but we reduced the budget by almost half. And uh, we do it as an hour show. And that's what they did. And they made huge profits by doing it. The problem was that very often it led to a very lax leisurely show that took an hour or you know 50 minutes technically mm -hmm. to tell a story that could have been told in a half an hour let, let, let me just give you an example there, there was one um, Gunsmoke episode from about 1963 or so 62 that in my mind could have been a classic half hour epi episode and was a rather weak hour long episode up until the last 10 minutes and in it, there's this obnoxious young kid. His father is a, a great man, a rancher, and a friend of Matt Dillon. And um, the kid's obnoxious. He's uh, no good, he's a killer, and he's also a coward. So he makes a run for it um, because Dillon's got to go after him. Well, Dillon actually sends, I think, Burt Reynolds uh, as the deputy to go get the kid. And Burt captures the kid, and then the kid gets away, and then Burt uh, captures him again, and the kid gets away, and so on. This goes on to fill time. Right. It goes on for nothing other than to fill time. And then, finally, uh, you don't even see your hero, James Arness. Um, then, at the very end of the show, uh, Bert brings the kid back to town, hands him over to James Arness as Matt Dillon. They put him on trial, and they're going to hang the kid, uh, legally. And um, the kid's in jail. And James Arness as Matt... Um, deeply uh, uh, feels for the poor old guy because he knows the kid is going to go up there and cry and scream on the gallows, and this is going to further humiliate the old man. So James Arnest goes to the kid in jail and says, okay, we worked out a deal. Uh, we, you know, you, you're going to appear to be hung, but when you fall down into that, you know, box that's covered up, uh, we, we're going to fix the rope so that you don't die, and um, we're going to sneak you out of town tonight. And uh, so the cowardly kid says, oh, okay. My dad, where he says, yeah, your dad paid me off. So the kid gets up there on the gallows and laughs at everybody and how, how brave he is and says, everybody's a coward, I'm not. And they hang him. And the father at least looks proud that even if his kid was bad, he wasn't a coward. Well, the trick ending is it turns out that the deal was not made. Right. Dylan made this up, and the kid really was hung, but the dad goes off thinking at least he wasn't a coward. Uh, wonderful ending. Would have made a great half-hour show, but there's all that chasing and escaping. Now, if any of it was really clever along the way, that would be fine. Right. Or good action. It wasn't. It was mediocre. And that gives an example of what went wrong with so many episodes. Well, let me ask you this. And let me ask you this. Doug. Now, when John Mantley came aboard, you know, towards the the last leg of the show, you you would have a, you'd have his own set of writers and and his own different approach. 
the the 60-minute shows towards the end, many of them seem to sustain the length. Do you think that's because just the... They the, did. The, uh, again, uh, the show was reinvented several times, mm-hmm. and um, I think somebody may have actually written a book about that. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't me, but I think it's a very good book. Well, you can probably find on Amazon out there. But um, whereas I just cover it along with many other shows. Yeah. Shooting stars. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, people reinvented it. And, um, uh, again, when, when you realized uh, that you were going to do, like, an hour-long, slightly tr- more dramatic version of um, the Andy Griffith show, as you and I were saying a minute ago, uh, then you had new possibilities. And one of the most effective things they did, as you said earlier, was to, to really beef up, bring in writers who could create good characters for... Um, the guest stars mm-hmm. and the person who I think played three guest star roles that were really terrific and memorable was Forrest Tucker, mm-hmm. uh, who had had his own comedy western, F Troop. He came on, there was one episode, I can't remember the name, but he played an old buffalo hunter. And then in another episode, he played a former marshal, a friend of Dylan, who was disgraced and tried to redeem himself. And they would really, as I said, it became an, at times an anthology show about these characters who visited Dodge. And the moment you did that, you could reinvent the show each week. Uh, you know, just a, a human drama uh, set. You called the place Dodge City, uh, but you didn't have to worry about doing too much business for Matt or Kitty or Festus or, or Doc uh, before he passed on. Um, and then, of course, Pat Hingle coming on as another Doc. Uh, you could really focus on these guest stars and write the most interesting stories that people could come up with. And um, uh, again, as we were saying earlier, that that's how the show survived. There's reasons, you know, like Cheyenne, um, terrific show for the first three or four seasons. But after a while, with The Wandering Gunman, um, it was basically a variation on Shane every week. Uh, how many st- how many towns could he ride into and save from the bad guys? You know, uh, you ran out of stories you could do. But by reinventing Gunsmoke, that's how it survived. The amazing thing about James Arness, not just the fact um, that he starred in the longest-running television drama uh, ever, um, but the fact that he there, – there's so many examples of actors who get tired of playing the same role, Dennis Weaver being one of them when he left the show after, after playing Chester. Yet Arness, from what I read, from what I understand, he never seemed to tire of playing Matt Dillon. Well, basically, you've got to remember that, and I, I don't mean this as a criticism, uh, I think Jim Arness saw himself as the John Wayne of TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, if he left, what could he do? Right, he knew, uh, he, he knew, his, he, he knew his limitations. Yeah, um, I mean, he was wonderful, like John Wayne in the movies. He was James Arness on a smaller scale for the TV screen. He was John Wayne of television. Just to say, Fess Parker was the Gregory Peck or Jimmy Stewart of TV. Mm-hmm. Davy Crockett, and then you did Daniel Boone later. Um, uh, you know, th- these guys were perfect in these parts, but they really couldn't do anything else, and they were humble and smart enough to know that they couldn't. And so what you did was, you know, you went on with this part, and the public loved you in it. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes, you mentioned the Andy Griffith show. Andy Griffith tried quitting his popular show that could have gone on for another 20 years if he had wanted to, and he quit it and wanted to do a whole different kind of a show, and he went on in a show called Headman. I remember that show, yeah. And it was canceled after 
after six weeks. So then he tried doing the new Andy Griffith show, yeah. which was like the old one, only not so good. And people didn't like that either. And all of a sudden, until he found Matlock, he was an out-of-work actor. And uh, basically, uh, with James Arnold, see, the thing is, Dennis Weaver was a, a really excellent character yes. actor who could do many different kinds of parts. And he didn't want to be remembered just for Chester Good. Um, he, he didn't resent the party. He loved his success, but it was like, um, that's not me. And um, fortunately, he later did the... Um, McLeod. McLeod, yeah, which was originally created for Fess Parker, who turned it down. But he, he got McLeod when Fess Parker turned it down and had a wonderful success with that. But um, because he wanted to be, he also wanted to be the leading man, and he yeah. wasn't. Now with, um, uh, on Gunsmoke, and McLeod, he got to be. Now with uh, James Arness, he was the leading man. And he's smart enough to know that whether you call the character Matt Dillon or something else, um, it, it would be the same role. It's what he did best. Well, you know, why do make the mistake Andy Griffith made? Quit it and try to do another show where you play the same character, and maybe it doesn't go over. Now, when Gunsmoke was finally over, he did come back on another show called How the West Was Won, which had a ni- which had a pretty decent run. Oh, it had a nice run, and he was basically Matt Dillon again. And then he came back and did the Matt Dillon TV movies and was very successful with them. Uh, you know, Gunsmoke uh, to the Last Man, the Last Apache, and so on. And they were well done, and it was reinvented again because he now he was um, he had a daughter. Uh, they never exactly explained where she came from. <laughs> he had a daughter, and uh, but it became a show about a father and daughter. And yeah. This was in the 1970s, and this was the age of feminism. And the daughter uh, helped him solve the crimes and stuff. And so they very effectively reinvented it for another decade and another another audience. Final question, Doug. How how vital was James Arness to the success of Gunsmoke? Uh, he was he was as essential to the show as Fess Parker was to Daniel Boone. You couldn't have done the show with another actor; it wouldn't have worked. And um, you know, originally they had approached uh, John Wayne, mm-hmm. and he said, "Come on, I'm making these big westerns. I don't want to work too hard. I don't want to do a weekly series, but I know who you should use." And he recommended James Arness. And there was another actor who um, they were also considering, named John Picard, um, a good cowboy actor. And who later did a lead in a show called Boots, Boots and Saddles, a cavalry show, and also a supporting role in a show called Gunslinger. Um, but uh, they, they, they were actually leaning to John Picard, and the only they, they thought he was stronger in many of the scenes that they thought maybe um, Arness uh, was a little bit too laid back. And um, the one thing that John Picard couldn't do was to create any chemistry any sexual chemistry at all in the scenes with Amanda Blake. Yeah. And James Arness was able to get these rolling eyes, his whenever he looked at her, and people wondered what happened. You know, they may never have kissed on the show, but what happened? Did they go upstairs when it all faded out? <laughs> and uh, That's how he got the daughter. <laughs> that's why, yeah. That's why Arness got the part. Doug Brody, author of more than 30 books on American pop culture from a conversation that originally aired in June 2011 about the legacy of Gunsmoke and the life and career of James Arness. For more on Doug Brody, Douglas Brody, B-R-O-D-E, DouglasBrody.com. This Week in TV History now has its own podcast you can enjoy. This Week in TV History with Tony Figueroa 
on Megaphone and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.